are listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Nathan here. It is a pleasure and a joy to teach the Word of the Lord. I'm going to get right into it tonight. I want to talk for a moment here about what our biggest problem is, what our largest difficulty is. Um, you'll remember part of Americana, <laughs> uh, the history of the space program. And uh, during one of the Apollo missions, there's a tremendous problem with the space, spacecraft and that famous, that famous message uh, back to Mission Control, Houston, we have a problem. Well, I often feel that way. I, like you, feel my life is so dependent upon the Lord's power that I, I feel like I'm always radioing to Mission Control saying, Lord, we have a problem. Um, I want to start in the form of a testimonial. Uh, I think that can be helpful. Um, the Bible teaches us to use testimony whenever we want to convey something. So let me do that here now. Uh, start with me, and then hopefully before we're done here, here you'll, you'll think about how this applies to you. Um, as a young minister, a young preacher, uh, I, like most young ministers, uh, I wanted to do something notable for God. I didn't have any great belief that I was special. Now, my mother thought I was special uh, because she's a great mom, um, but I did not think that I was in any way notable or special. I wanted to be. Now, I can pretend like I didn't want to be, but uh, that wouldn't ring true, and then I, I wouldn't be very honest. I wanted to be special. I, I did. I, I wanted to be, you know, I didn't want to have a word. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I wanted to have the word. I, I didn't want to be another evangelist. I wanted to be the greatest evangelist. But that, uh, I think, is quite human. Um, and it was a reflection of my vanity and my own desire for preeminence. Um, I think the Lord breaks us of that usually. There are some people who they, they don't know struggle, they know early success, and I think in some cases that early success actually hinders them. Um, I think that would be honest and fair. Uh, in some cases, that early success destroys them. There was no risk of me having uh, much early success. Um, I felt like that I, I was grinding my way forward. Now, looking back, I see I actually had advantages. Um, at the time, it didn't feel that way. Looking back, I see that I had benefits. Um, people I knew, uh, family, uh, uh, parents. I had grown up in a minister's home. That's a tremendous advantage uh, in dealing in ministry issues. I had a lot of advantages. Not only that, I had the advantage of growing up in a church that actually needed me. Um, uh, when we didn't have a, when we didn't have someone to clean the Sunday school, I, I, you know, PK, I did it. Uh, when we didn't have someone to play the drums, I was the drummer. Um, whether or not I was a good drummer was quite secondary. <laughs> um, it's a benefit to be needed. Um, all of us want to be used of God, and we all of us wish that we were special. Um, but the truth is, that's usually an act of vanity. We're not very special. We are quite ordinary people that God has chosen. Now, in spite of all of that confession, in spite of my desire as a young minister, um, I struggled to believe in myself. My problem was not secret sin. I'm not saying I didn't have secret sin. I'm saying that really wasn't my problem. Um, 
My problem wasn't that I, I didn't believe the doctrine. I, I believed the doctrine. Um, my problem was truly um, spiritual confidence. I think there's a high probability that your problem is spiritual confidence. So that's what I want to talk about here for a little while. God placed in my life um, people who believed in me when I could not believe in myself. Uh, At the time, it didn't feel this way. At the time, it just felt like I had friends and family. Um, Looking back, I see how God placed people in my life who pushed me out of my comfort zone because they believed in me. Um, I had lusts for being you know, notable. I had wishes and wants. I, I didn't have confidence. Um, the first person, the, the, the first people God placed in my life, of course, is, was my parents. Uh, to have godly parents is a tremendous, tremendous benefit and blessing because they just don't, they, they see more than your natural talents. They see who you can be in God um, or <clears throat> something like that. They, they, they push you. They believe in you. Um, uh, they, it's okay when, it's okay when you take chances. Uh, they see how they took chances. I'm talking about spiritually. Um, that was the first people in my life that believed in me. Uh, this, the, the, the next level of people in my life who believed in me that I see looking back how God put them in my life uh, was my wife, Chara. My wife she believed in me when I, I cannot tell you how many times I wanted to quit, but her belief in me kept me uh, in the race and God put her in my life. Um, really, I didn't really mean to get this, this much true confession. I wasn't really planning on doing, but excuse me. I, I see how, uh, she was in many, many cases, many times God's word to me because I could not believe in me. Um, so the next level, uh, of God putting his everlasting arms under my weak confidence was pastors that I was exposed to as an evangelist. Um, these were men who received me not as just a young preacher. They, they received me as um, a man of God. Now, that sounds pretentious, and I, it's always pretentious when we um, see ourselves that way, but it's a necessary step of confidence, spiritual confidence, when someone perceives you, uh, not just as you, but as a representative of God, as one who speaks faith. Um, pastors in my life, uh, some of them became mentors to me. They believed in me. Um, when I transitioned from evangelizing to pastoring, um, at first I didn't struggle uh, with any of these issues because I wasn't the lead, the lead pastor. Um, ultimately, decisions were uh, made by the lead pastor, our bishop, uh, Bishop Helms, but uh, really, I just, I, I could, I like a lot of people, I was in this place where I could be, I could, I could just decide whether or not I thought he had made the right decision. I was never ugly. I was always supportive. Never one time that I can remember spoke against him in any type of a, a manner that would have been inappropriate. Never did that. Um, I, I just had the benefit of kind of waiting to see if he was right. And then whichever way it turned out, I could kind of revise my memory <laughs> and pretend like that was what I would have done all along. <laughs> Don't act righteous here. Some of you guys do this to me. 
I love you too, but some of you guys do this to me. When I became the lead pastor, however, it was the sim- it was a, the greatest confidence hit that I had ever experienced because now decisions that had to be made, um, I had to make them in faith, with imperfect knowledge, in time, and time is moving, and knowledge is moving, and I had to make those decisions. And now, if it was a bad decision, it was on me. I could no longer revise my memory and like, well, uh, I would have done this. Well, yeah, we all would have done that after we knew what to do. You understand what I'm saying? I see how God placed in my life at that time uh, uh, a handful of key people in our church, um, very, very few, but a handful, that they believed in me. Uh, And I, I could discount the belief my mom and dad had in me because they're my mom and dad. They're always on your side. I had learned to discount the belief my wife had in me because she loves me. She's always going to say the nice thing. You know, even if I didn't do that great of a job, she's not going to say, well, yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, some of y'all know Charla. She feels strong enough. She'd be like, nope, that wasn't, that wasn't it. But for the most part, I could discount that. But there were key people in the church. They believed in me. When I was filled with insecure security, they would speak faith to me. Um, this was how God buoyed me. But this is one thing I discovered. I did not discover this I thought I did, but I didn't discover this uh, in the earlier stages of ministry. I discovered in the later stages of ministry, and that is this. Um, let me say it in the, in, in the image of an Old Testament story so it'll resonate perhaps. Um, like Elijah learned, brooks dry up. And like Elijah learned, ravens stop coming with food. And here you are. And you have to decide where your confidence lies. Um, I feel like now at times that I, I erred in relying on other people's confidence in me too much. And so God had to remove it. Because I cannot become, and you cannot become, we cannot become who we need to be in God when our confidence <clears throat> is in anything other than God, the promises of God, the word of God, the presence of God. That's where our confidence must be. And for the most part, our limitation is not the devil. Our limitation is not sin. There's an antidote to sin. Our limitation is, is, is much closer to home. It is this battle we wage for spiritual uh, confidence. Uh, if we're going to influence our world, let me, let me just real quickly point this out. We don't have the ability to change our world. Now, I know we use that language, and we know what we mean by it, and that's okay. It's not wrong. But uh, to change is to, to have power. You, you can do something, make a decision. You can force change. We don't have that power. <clears throat> what we have is influence. We don't have the power to change the world. <clears throat> Historically, every time the church got the power, it was horrible, the greatest sins of church as an institution, the ugliest moments of church as a civil history, as a history of an institution in a human, uh, the human story, has come when church had too much power and they could do what fo- through force what should have always been limited to being done through influence. So if I demand something of you, I've denied you worship <clears throat> and left you with only obedi- obedience. Uh, whenever a church gets its tone 
to, to, it gets the tone of someone who is going to demand, someone who's going to require. Whenever us preachers begin to swagger like cowboys rather than lead like shepherds, when we get that kind of, I don't know, spiritual tough guy thing going, what that, that is, in a way, it is offering obedience. We, we have a demand for obedience rather than a call for worship. So let me not get too sidetracked there. Um, we have this, this issue in our life of, of pursuing, pursuing a spiritual influence in our society. We shine a light, and those who are hungry, hurting, broken, they are drawn to that light. Our life is a life of spiritual influence. And so that's what I mean by we can't change the world, but we can influence the world. You can influence your world. You can make a difference in your um, place of employment, your, if you, wherever you are in your, how you make a living, you can have influence there. Um, you can lead people, and we all crave that. But the problem, again, less sin, although sin can be a problem, particularly, particularly uh, a hidden sin, unrepentant sin. You get the idea. I preached a little bit about this this past Sunday. Um, the problem for us, however, is... It's a rare person who won't repent. Um, it's a rare person who won't repent. Now, some of us have to be caught before we repent. God forgive us. But most people will repent. The issue for us really is spiritual confidence. Um, so I want to very quickly, having started with testimony and confess to you how I can see this struggle in myself and how... I had, I, even as a lead pastor, learned to depend on people, a handful of people's confidence in me, um, and the Lord took that from me. And what he left me with was I had to depend upon him. My confidence had to come from God. I could no longer reassure myself, well, this praying person uh, has confidence in you. Or this anointed person has confidence in you. No, all that will be taken away from you until you stand as a testimony to faith. Not a testimony to faith in somebody else. Not a testimony to faith to some other circumstance or reality or someone else's anointing or someone else's prayer life. You, of course, have to have your own, but that's, that's not what we're talking about. You have to be able to stand in the spiritual solitude of your call, your anointing, your ability, and say, I have confidence in God. And then you have to live as a demonstration of that confidence. So real quickly, let me give you some practical things to help you recognize um, uh, the battle that we, we all of us have uh, for, uh, with insecurity, spiritual insecurity. Um, how, how does it affect you? <clears throat> Do you recognize this battle in yourself? Uh, the first and most obvious way to recognize an insecurity in yourself <clears throat> is to realize that you're living to please people. This is always a temptation of spiritual leadership. <clears throat> if you do anything for God, there will be a lot of uh, people who they would do it differently. And they'll tell you. They will not hesitate a moment. They will tell you. And they'll, what they'll do is they'll go through the Scripture and they'll find two or three Scriptures that agree with their criticism as though that's all the Bible says about the subject. <laughs> and then they'll show up and they'll have that super spiritual gleam in their eye, you know, and they'll have their favorite, well, this and this. And 
you get the idea. You have to overcome pleasing people. You cannot fear God and fear man because man serves as his own rudder and he's always wanting you to do this or do that. And you have to have a different rudder in your life. You have to seek to please God. Sometimes it's not even issues of right or wrong. And this is very important. I would say it even stronger than that. It usually isn't issues of right or wrong. It's just they would do it this way. You would do it this way. They would do less of this. You would do more of that. Um, it's not really an issue of salvation, an issue of kingdom. It's, it's, it's preference. Uh, like Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Um, you, we all of us have a testimony. We all of us have a voice. And your testimony, your voice will touch people that uh, other people's uh, testimony perhaps would not touch, do you see? Uh, so the, the temptation to be uh, people pleasers, that is a, a sign of a struggle within us, of, of insecurity. Uh, the second thing is when we recognize that we are, we are exhibiting defensiveness, spiritual defensiveness. Do you fall apart every time there is a, a critic in, in your life? Um, you can't afford to do that, obviously. Uh, <laughs> that will mess you up. Um, if you are too defensive, you will find uh, that your confidence is gone. You will find that uh, every time somebody barks at you, you lose focus. This is what's to, what it is to be um, ineffective spiritually uh, because you're defensive. Every time, a, a little book written years ago, uh, a guy wrote a, I think the title of the book uh, was Some Dogs I've Known. And what this guy did is he loved dogs and he had owned a lot of dogs and he used dog stories to teach leadership lessons. Um, it was a cute, fun, harmless, even good book. And one of the stories he tells of how he saw a neighbor's dog who got out of the fence and um, this man was sitting on his porch and he watched that dog start all the way down at one end of the st- and run all the way down to the other, other end. And every dog in every yard was barking like crazy, just going nuts. And that dog, he said, I think if I remember the story right, he said it was a German shepherd. He said that German shepherd just trotted right down the road, never looked to the left, never looked to the right, just strutted in his supreme and godlike freedom. (laughs) And all the dogs in the neighborhood went nuts. And the man sat there and he was moved in his spirit because he said, I look back on my life and I wish I could say that was how I had lived my life, that I had just focused and just moved. Instead, I feel like I've ran from every gate to every gate. And I argued with this one and I argued with that one and I barked at this one and I growled at that one. And I I, I had nowhere to go, nowhere to be, at least that I could perceive. I was too busy barking at all the dogs. I think to live defensively, a life of spiritual defensiveness traps us like that. We never really get anywhere <clears throat> because we're fighting with this one, disagreeing with that one. Everybody who does anything, if you have any work, let's say you're going to teach a Bible study. <clears throat> Somebody else would do it differently. That's okay. Someone else would <clears throat> never do it at a restaurant. Why? Because, bless God, they serve beer and wine at a restaurant. You should be ashamed of yourself. Okay, they wouldn't do it, but you were teaching a Bible study. They're going to disagree with you, okay? You might would show some videos. There's people out there that think that it is a, it is to disrespect the Word of God to show a video. Um, of course, 
I think most of those battles have been ended by COVID-19. We all use media now, even the people who used to put us in hell over it. Anyway, you get the idea. Uh, So to live defensively is to always be chasing these issues. Just forget about how they would do it. How, what, what, what does your voice say? What can you, what is your testimony? What is your style? There's people who need you to be authentically you. Uh, The third trap that destroys spiritual confidence is what I call, let's say uh, it's, it's performance review. You're always deciding your value is directly related to how good of a job you did last time. Now, this was hard as an evangelist because as an evangelist, uh, truly, uh, that's really the first death you die as an evangelist, and that is uh, you're only as good as your last sermon. Um, Pastoring is much better because you live with people. You walk with people. Some messages are better than others. I got more compliments two Sundays ago than I got last Sunday, but I did get some compliments. I can't fall into the trap uh, of, oh, I'm I'm not going to keep people. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, That trap is to destroy your spiritual confidence. You often cannot see or perceive your effectiveness in a spiritual realm. You have to let God be the judge. You do your best. Now, there's no excuse for not preparing. There's no excuse for not doing your best. We shouldn't make some sloppy sloppy offering and then be like, oh, the Lord will do it. No, Did, did we do what we could do? If we will do that, then God will do what only God can can do. So, so, so three things we talked about. We talked about <clears throat> um, the, the problem of, uh, we'll go reverse order of performance review. You're only as good as your last, your last um, performance. The second one is to be uh, defensive. You're always, everybody who criticizes you, 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 you have an argument with. Uh, and then uh, the first one that I mentioned was <clears throat> to fear men rather than God, to try to please people. Um, all of these are traps for your um, spiritual confidence. The, the manner in which we start taking back our confidence, there's a spiritual component to that. And that is, of course, um, to prepare our hearts, to repent so our conscience does not condemn us. These are the spiritual components. Um, to, to celebrate and live in a place of worship, uh, to remind ourselves of God's supremacy, His power, His authority, all of that is the spiritual components. Now, I want to talk about some practical things um, in the terms of uh, the kind of advice that, say, I would give to one of our leaders um, or another pastor, say. Um, I want to be real practical here. The first component is always going to be the spiritual. Um, the second component is these, some of these practical things that I would suggest. The first thing is, do you have a spiritual mentor in your life, a trusted friend, uh, someone that you can, you trust enough to confess your fears and you trust enough to confess what destroys your confidence. Um, This is a biblical idea, mentoring uh, one generation, preparing the next generation. This is very biblical. Um, I would suggest that you find somebody in your life, some leader, some mentor, that you you can be honest about your insecurities. You can say, look, I... I really am afraid that I'm going to embarrass myself or, some, or, or something like that. Uh, mentors can really, really make a difference in your life. The second thing you can do is <clears throat> in prayer, 
Ask the Lord to help you understand your triggers. There are triggers that are unique to your experiences and your painful past. And those triggers can throw you into a a confidence problem. Um, I know my triggers. Um, I'm not going to take the time to tell you my triggers, and I don't think I'll tell you anyway, because <laughs> some of you guys trigger me. <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to enjoy that moment there for a moment. Um, but you understand, you have triggers. It's unique to what you've survived. It's unique to your pain, unique to what you've s- survived. Um, but have you prayed about those triggers? Because um, I promise you this, uh, the enemy seeks to know your triggers, and right before your biggest opportunity, the enemy is going to trigger you. And if you're not careful, it's going to limit your effectiveness. Uh, the third thing is to um, focus on your strengths, confess your weaknesses, and focus on your strengths. God chose you. That means God thinks you have a toolkit that can help his kingdom. Uh, God anointed you. That means He thinks there's things you can do to benefit his kingdom. Um, And so you confess your weaknesses and you focus on your strengths. Um, This this can be so helpful, uh, at least for me and my personality type, because it helps helps me have confidence with God when I confess my weaknesses to the Lord. It's as though spiritually I'm washed in some way. Uh, And, of course, the Scripture says um, when our conscience does not condemn us, then we we have confidence with God. Uh, So think about that. And then lastly, and this is the most important thing, um, and this is what we all would say to each other almost as the first thing. Um, And then we would, sometimes I've been guilty of saying this, singing this, preaching this, testifying this, and then struggling with everything else I've mentioned. Um, Remember that your identity is in Jesus Christ. Uh, This world is our mission. The next world is our reward. Um, We are faithful in our mission and then the Lord re- rewards us as a good and faithful servant. Um, and so your identity is in Jesus Christ. Uh, you give your all. Um, you do all that you can. You seek to influence. You seek to, to share. You seek to teach. You do your best. <clears throat> and then um, you stop looking at you. Did, did you get that? You do your best, and then you stop looking at you. There's only one thing that you can get from the past, and that is a lesson. That's it. Um, if you're refighting it, um, I, I mean, if you want to make yourself miserable, I mean, knock yourself out. I can't stop you. I know I, I've done it a million times and may do it, may catch myself doing it a million more. But that's not really where we go to grow. Um, what did we learn and what can that apply to this moment? After that, we're covered in the blood. So when I think of some maybe bad decisions I've made, there's this part of me that wants to just like rip on me. Um, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Okay, there's a lesson in that. But if I'm going to have confidence in God, I have to stop ripping on me. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say, okay, there was a lesson there. I'm going to seek to learn the lesson. And then I'm going to put the whole thing under the blood. Because Christians deserve mercy too. It's not just sinners who have grace. The ushers get grace. It's not just, you know, the person coming to God that has mercy, that receives mercy. Those of us serving God for many years, we deserve mercy too. We must have confidence in God. We must stand on that confidence with God. Because without confidence in God, 
uh, we are always spiritually handicapped and we cannot reach uh, the potential that God has set for, for us to reach. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to grow in our spiritual confidence. I pray you would help us to, to become, uh, to have eyes that see and has, have a, a heart that pursues. Uh, Lord Jesus, save us from our um, negative reviews of ourselves, where we <clears throat> cast down our own our own soul. Uh, we we wound our own uh, effort. We we are our own spiritual enemy. We are in league with the accuser, and we speak his words to ourselves with our own voice. Save us from that, I pray, Lord Jesus. Be with your people. Give us confidence that we can influence this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We love you. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.